Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. I want to read today um, from 1 Samuel 17. No, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 15, verses 17 through 23. 1 Samuel 15, and I forgot to send it to the crew. I apologize. So I'm going to give them time. 1 Samuel 15, 17 through 23 in the New Revised Standard Version. I'm going to say it one more time, not for y'all. Just give them some more time to load it. 1 Samuel 15, 17 through 23. I'm sure you have your apps, your Bibles, and what have you. And so um, I'll just begin reading, and, and, and hopefully they'll get it up there. But again, 1 Samuel 15, 17 through 23. And here's how it reads. Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not? the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you king over Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission in which... The Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But from the spoil, the people took sheep and cattle, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord as has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience to the voice of the Lord? Surely to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed that heed than the fat of rams for rebellion is no less a sin than divination and stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the lord he has also rejected you from being king come on let's pray god we bless your name on today and we honor you oh god for how how in this moment you keep reminding us of the beautiful ways you've made now, God, here's the truth. Those beautiful ways you've made have at times been in some challenging situations and some difficult conditions. But you reminded us of your presence, oh God, in the midst of those moments. So, God, we celebrate today divine presence. So often, oh God, we cry out to you to perform. We want to see acts of your power. We want you to heal and deliver and perform miracles. But God, what we have learned in our journey with you is that your presence means more than your performance. Thank you, oh God, for walking with us. And thank you, oh God, for talking with us. And thank you, oh God, for reminding us who we are in your eyes. Now, oh God, let your word go to work. Have your way today. And we'll get out of the way and make sure we let you, oh God, be God all by yourself. Here's our worship. Take joy in it, oh God. 
It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remain standing. Let me read that in your hearing again. I'll read it quicker. Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag and the king of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But from the spoil, the people took sheep and cattle, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice the Lord your God on Gilgal. And Samuel said, as the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obedience to the voice of the Lord, surely to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is no less a sin than divination and stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he's also rejected you from being king. Amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord a hand. I pray you take a seat. Those haunting words of Samuel, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? It's hard to shape the way we see ourselves, especially if at times our negative perception of ourselves are rooted in experiences that have set an early foundation within our psyche that cause us to see ourselves negatively. In fact, one thought leader says that people's opinions of us will change, but how we see ourselves will stay with us forever. Well, maybe that may be true to a degree, but I'm convinced that how we see ourselves can actually change. But it takes a little work, especially, again, if we see ourselves negatively. I want this morning to speak from this subject, looking through tainted lenses. Looking through tainted lenses. I begin again with that question for all of us to ponder this morning. And I do not just say it rhetorically, but how do you see yourself? I mean, if you had to write it down, if you had to put down on paper how you see yourself, watch this. If someone else read how you see yourself, would they be inspired or would they feel bad? See, because again, many of us, if we declare or write these words in honesty, I did not ask how do you want to see yourself, I asked how do you see yourself? Because there's more than a few of us in here today who have at times experienced low self-esteem, given it gives way at times to insecurities. And so to honestly write down how you see yourself is an important exercise. One, it could be a declaration of belief and courage. But two, it can be words penned with a desire to get you to get out of that haze you're in where you constantly see yourselves through negative lenses or tainted lenses. 
You see, this scene here that I read in 1 Samuel 15 is a conversation between the prophet Samuel and the first king of Israel by the name of Saul. By the time you get to 1 Samuel 15, Saul has accomplished many great things. He has done many great things that are worthy of honor and worthy of recognition. Enemies have been defeated. Israel is honoring God, even in their worship. Saul is the king. And if you know this story, and I won't belabor the moment, but Saul is the answer to Israel's request because of how they saw themselves. As powerful a people as they were, they wanted to be like everybody else. And their prayer to God was, God, give us a king. And exactly, this is what it says. Give us a king so that we can be like everybody else. Can you imagine being chosen by God for something extremely significant, gifted, gifted by God to accomplish things that only you could do? I say that because sometimes we forget while we're busy looking at other people, what other people do. We find ourselves trying to copy and be like other people and don't realize that the breath we breathe was given for a reason connected to what God has given us. And some people say things to me like, Pastor, I don't know the reason for my breathing. I don't understand the full meaning of my presence. Maybe what makes it difficult to ascertain the nature and the rationale behind your breathing is that you're busy either looking in other places or looking through tainted lenses. And you can't fully appropriate it. This was Saul's big problem. He was the king of Israel, the first monarch of God's people. It wasn't planned this way. It didn't start this way. This intention of, 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 of God to give them a king wasn't how it was supposed to be started. They were simply supposed to be led by God and God's representatives, sometimes the prophets, sometimes the priests, but they were God's representatives. But the people of God got weary of how God wanted to lead them and wanted to be led like the other nations with the king. And God gave them what they wanted. God didn't fight them. He didn't try to explain because why would God have to explain what God has done for you? He just simply gave them what they wanted. If this is what they want, then they will have to learn to live with the consequences of their arbitrary choices because they've grown weary of being connected solely to God. God gives them a king and they, he laments. But here's the thing. This is what I love. The king that they get and the king that is anointed is a king who's a reflection of them. You see, it's interesting. Oftentimes, the fruit that we bear, the fruit of our hands, our produce, what we actually create is always a reflection of us. We don't always get that. See, when you tell me things about who you are, who you claim to be and who you want to be, all I got to do is look at the fruit of your hands to see if what you produce is in alignment with who you claim to be. When Samuel came across and found Saul out there looking for his daddy's donkeys and, and God had told him that he would be the one to be the king. And when Samuel told him that he would be the first king of Israel, he got offended. He said, he said, who, who, who why would you say such a thing like that to me? Can you imagine that? Someone comes to you and speaks of your potential greatness and you get offended. How deep is the despair and how tainted are the lenses when you can't even fully receive someone speaking something powerful into your life. Saul was offended. Can you just imagine, process that for a second? Samuel said to him, hear the exact words, all of Israel's hopes rest on you. You will be the next, the king. And he said, why would you say that to me? And then look what follows. 
I'm the least in my family. My family is the least family. We're from the least tribe of Benjamin. Why would you say that to me? Watch this. I want you to hear this. Saul saw himself as the least in his family. He saw his family as the least clan. He saw his tribe as the least tribe. And he says to Samuel, why would you say this about me? That is how he saw himself. I'm the least in the least family, in the least tribe, nothing good. It's like when they began to spread the word of Jesus and it was Philip who said when they said, look, we found the Messiah and, and, and he's from Nazareth. This is in the New Testament. And then Philip said, he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? See, it's one thing if people feel that way about you. The real issue is how do you feel about yourself? And so in that scene, in that moment, Saul is offended. And look what happens. He's offended because he is spoken to by Samuel, by his potential greatness. And everything he does in some ways is tainted by that, tainted by that issue. In the midst of his success, in the midst of his accomplishments, that's the part you got to get. Because sometimes those people who we look at as successful and those of us who may feel we're successful, it doesn't always, it doesn't always eradicate the low self-esteem and self-doubt we live with. In fact, some of the success and accomplishments we have, we're driven by self-esteem, driven by self-doubt. Well, let me go a little deeper then since you don't think. Some of us who are driven in our success because we're driven by self-doubt and our low self-esteem, then here it is. We work to be successful, but then they can't handle the success we get because then somehow within us, the self-doubt and low self-esteem make us feel like we're not worthy of the success that comes our way. So if people see our success and see our accomplishments and begin to heap praise upon us, we downplay it, deflect it, or diminishment because we don't think we're actually worthy of it because no matter how hard we work to get it, something within us didn't accept who we could be in the first place. And so no matter what you do, no matter how successful you are, it's never quite enough because you still don't think you're worthy of it. You still can't handle the praise that comes with it. You deflect all the accolades that come your way. And the deep thing is you feel this way about you in spite of your success because you yourself refuse to check your own evidence. Instead of seeing what God has done through you, you're busy thinking about the way you see yourself, those tainted lenses. And here you are now. Great things have come through you, but you can't even celebrate. Great moments have come your way, but you can't even rejoice. You downplay everything good that comes your way. You even, watch this, you even prayed about these things to happen. And then when they show up, you downplay its significance. Why? Because you prayed for things to cover the one thing that was the real issue. Those tainted lenses you kept seeing yourself that way and you don't go out broadcasting it you don't tell folk you see yourself tainted and so either you shrink back into spaces and places where you try to hide or you step forward with this incredible false bravado where you try to compensate for the self-doubt by being braggadocious or saying, look at me, look at me, see me, look at me, look at me. In the deep to ask people to see you, look at you, but you can't even see yourself fully. You know how many people I see daily and know daily who see themselves through tainted lenses and try to cover up the tainted lenses? Oh, man, you see it every day. Check out social media. I wish folk would really learn to live a filterless existence. 
Some of us put filters on because we don't want people to see or we put filters on so we can appear to be something we're not. So we give a false image of ourselves to satisfy who not ourselves, other people, which means now in our desire to satisfy other people to look a certain way, we filter our views. We filter how we look. Don't realize that no matter how beautiful the filters, you still see yourself through tainted lenses. Look at Saul. Saul goes to being anointed king. Even in the day he was anointed king. Know what he was doing? They were ready for the king. And I've talked about this before. They're ready for the king. They want to crown the king. It was a coronation. It was a great day. And when they went looking for Saul, sure enough, when they were ready to celebrate the king, sure enough, where was the king? I love this scene. It said he was hiding in the baggage. Wasn't even his own baggage. It was Israel's baggage. Wait, pause. He was hiding in other people's baggage, Serena. Yes, because oftentimes when you're riddled with self-doubt and the low self-esteem, you'll find anything else to cover the way you see yourselves. And then you find yourself hiding in other people's. In fact, you will borrow, appropriate, adopt, and even purchase other people's issues to cover the thing you refuse to embrace. I got to talk honest today. This ain't an easy one. Here was Saul, the next king. And here's a deep thing. Here's a deep thing. Some of us live a crouched existence. We do everything like this. Refusing to stand up fully and be appropriate. And so we crouch. We, we bend. We, we hide. We, we diminish. We, we rarely re- stand up and be accounted for. And here's the deep thing. It said that when Saul stood up, actually, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. But nobody knew that because he was content seeing himself through tainted lenses and then secondly, hiding in other people's baggage. Here's a hard question. Not only one, how you see yourself, where are some of your most creative hiding places? I mean, the most creative hiding places are when you hide in plain sight and people don't even realize that your posture and your propaganda about you is actually hiding. What are some of your creative hiding places today that you have manufactured so we never get to access the real you because you think the real you is problematic. And so you see yourself through tainted lenses and then you want to go around giving everybody else the tainted lenses you use so they see you the way you see yourself. But no matter what, I'm going to say it again, no matter what, it never takes away how you feel. Saul goes from being king. Victory on top of victory. But can I tell you something? Oftentimes, the revelation of your self-doubt and your insecurities and your low self-esteem come at the moments where you feel threatened the most, not at who you are, threatened at the point of the facade you've given us. When the facade you've created gets threatened. When the image you've manufactured is about to collapse. Then there's no hiding. The breaks create openings where we see who you are. He was in a fight against the Philistines where Saul's decline starts in a major way. He's fighting the Philistines. The Philistines are mustered. I mean, their forces are more numerous than the sand on the seashore, the writer writes. Now, mind you, here's a deep thing. Israel has defeated the Philistines before. Saul has defeated the Philistines before. But this time, all of a sudden, the Philistines get much more soldiers. And all of a sudden, Saul now, who's defeated the enemy before, now faces the same enemies already defeated. And somehow they think, he thinks, that because the enemy appears to have more than they had last time, that somehow the resource that Saul, that Saul had would somehow not work. Now, that resource was always God. 
But watch this, watch this. He starts shifting his gaze because of the assault of the enemy that seems too much to bear. I'm going to say it again. The assault of the enemy seemed too much for him. Prior to that, he felt he could handle it. And when it got to be too much for him, then you could see the chinks in his armor. The moment where it was no longer manageable, but beyond him, what would have required him to lean more into the presence of God was where you saw the revelation of his tainted lenses in the first place. Man, you maybe didn't get that. Let me say it again. He had already had victories, already defeated the Philistines, but now the Philistines come stronger than before. And now since they come stronger than before, Saul now retreats into a space of fear instead of belief in the victories he's already had because somehow the increased amount of enemies increased Saul's fear. Now, Israel knew they could not go into battle unless they had the blessings of God, which were brought upon them through the offerings of the priest, Samuel. And so they could not go into warfare until they were blessed by the priest through the offerings they rendered up to God. And so the enemies are mounting. The Philistines are coming. They're more numerous than the sands. They outnumber the Israelites. And Samuel, the priest, tells Saul, wait, seven days I'll be there. Seven days I'll get there and I'll offer up sacrifices. And as the days passed, the Philistines grew greater in number and Saul grew more fearful. Here it is. He was a big king. He was a strong king. He was a victorious king. But as the days passed and the enemies mounted, he retreated into who he thought he was. And here's the line. It said this, when he saw that the people, Israel, was slipping his grip, he said, I'm not going to wait. And he decided to do what the priests could do. He figured I'm the king. And if I'm the king, I could do what I want to do. Oh, be careful. Something I said here years ago. Be careful when you make improper lane changes. I said it before. That's why there's an indicator on your car when you're about to make a lane change. Because sometimes your blind spot that you miss what's coming, you miss you coming. He decided I'm the king. He offered, he said, I'm going to offer the sacrifice. He goes and he makes a sacrifice, and it was on the seventh day. He didn't wait till the end of the seventh day. And as soon as Saul finished making the sacrifice, who shows up? Samuel, the priest. And he says, what have you done? God called you to be king, not priest. And here you are now offering a sacrifice on behalf of the people. Today, today, this very day, he said, God is not pleased. As Samuel is giving Saul the business, Saul grabs Samuel's cloak. He grabs it because he doesn't want Samuel to leave in anger. He tears Samuel's cloak. Samuel looks back at Saul. He said, the way you just tore my garment is the way God has torn the kingdom from your hand. You are no longer the king. He pronounces that he's no longer the king, but still gives him another assignment. He said, look, look, you're going to defeat the Philistines, but the Amalekites are coming. Now, here's what I want you to do. So this is Samuel. When you face the Amalekites, I want you to utterly destroy them. Destroy everything. Kill the king. Kill everything. Don't leave anything standing. None of their produce. Nothing. Kill everything. Do it. But here comes Saul again. He gets the direction. And what does he do? He said, you know what? I'm going to keep the best that the Amalekites got. I'm not going to kill the king. Here comes Samuel again. Here it is. He comes again to him. And Samuel now speaks to Saul's real issue. Remember, Saul didn't obey. He made the sacrifice. God strips him of the kingdom. Not literally at that time. He comes again. God gives directives again. He doesn't obey God again. He does what he feels he wants to do because he's the king. And then Samuel comes, 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. Look at that opening line, to Saul. 
though you are small in your own eyes, God made you the head in spite of who you are, in spite of how you saw yourself. God still gave you this position. God still made you king. That how you saw yourself did not stop God from making you the head of all the tribes. That your tainted lenses did not taint God's vision. No matter how you saw yourself, you could not stop God from seeing you clearly and still appointing you and still elevating you and still blessing your life. No matter how tainted your lenses, God still saw with clarity, not just who you are, but who you could be. Not just your flaws, but your possibility. Somebody has to hear this today. Don't you dare think that the way you see you is the way God sees you. In fact, some things that have entered your life, that have been a blessing in your life, have come in spite of how you've seen yourself. And God has still made a way in your life. In spite of your self-doubt and in spite of your low self-esteem and in spite of those tainted lenses, they could not taint God's favor in and over your life. Somebody needs to know that today who's struggling with self-perception, who's struggling with self-doubt. And I know nobody really knows it because you do a good job of putting on the mask and disguising your misery and disguising your dysfunction and your disarray, that you've masked your misery, you've covered your chaos, and folk can't see it, but you know it's there. And I had to tell somebody that God doesn't see you the way you see you. And in spite of all of that, still making ways over your life. So, so here it is. I'm done, but I want to just give you a few things for those who can be honest enough to say that that's how often I see myself at times. How do I get past this? How do I get to a point where I don't limp along? Because can I tell you, I know what it is. I, I, I know what it is to be riddled with self-doubt, low self-esteem, and insecurity. Don't let the position fool you. There's a whole lot of folk who do what I do, how, who God had to call in spite of how we've seen ourselves. And we've had to learn the power of God by the trust of God. You mean, God, you trust me with this assignment? You, you trust me with this work? You trust me with this calling? And God says, yes. And you say, God, why? God said, because I know you ain't by yourself. Oh, somebody needs to know that today. Can you imagine? God says, I trust you with all this because I ain't trusting you by yourself. I am with you every step of the way just lean in and trust that you are not alone let me pause for a second somebody needs to know this you are not alone right now i don't care how miserable it may feel you do not walk this way by yourself god is there every step of the way guiding and keeping protecting and redeeming you are not by yourself in fact look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor neighbor you're not by yourself no, tell the other neighbor, you're not by yourself. Now, we don't make it through this life because we walk alone. I said it already. God still walks and God still speaks and God still reminds us of who we are. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. 
real quick and I'll get out your way. How do we deal with these tainted lenses? Because I can't leave you right there. Real simple. And, and if you can remember, remember it. If you need to write, write it. But here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. Every time you have negative self-thought, challenge them. Challenge them. This is difficult. In, 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 in Inward Journey and Midweek Motivation on IG, I've told us that, that we ought to list things about ourselves. Say the beautiful things, write them down. The beautiful things, Mary, about ourselves. Put them up on your mirror. Put them up on your refrigerator. You see, you spent a long time being negative. You think you're going to become positive in one week? No. Just as long as you spent out talking yourself, I need you to spend the same amount of time speaking positively to yourself. So that here it is. The next time you start thinking of those negative self-thoughts, go to the place you put the positive ones. Go to the mirror in the bathroom. Go to the refrigerator. And I'm giving you a directive. Put them somewhere. So when you find yourself going into that pain and that pool of misery, I need you to find the words you wrote about you to encourage your own self. When was the last time you wrote things about you to encourage you? So that when those negative self-thoughts arrive, what? Challenge the bad thoughts. And then when you do that, you then shift your perspective. How do you shift your perspective? It goes with number one. It is a linguistic transformation. That's a nice one, right? It, it just means you're speaking different about you. That if you're going to think different, now speak different. Right? Man, listen. This morning, I can't remember. We went to the office. Well, let me not give that example. Let me give a good example. Even better example. Here you are. Someone says something about you. And I'm speaking from experience. They'll say, Serena, you are amazing. Now, when they hear that, the imposter syndrome can kick in. And you then start deflecting. You start, no, no, not really. I'm just... Now watch what linguistic transformation says. Serena, you are amazing. Serena says, you're absolutely right. I, you know what? I am amazing. I am fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And I woke up amazing this morning. I got up amazing. And you know what? Thank you for recognizing which I already knew. It's not arrogant. When you know God did it, it's called confidence. That's what you tell somebody, hear me? Oh, God did it. Ain't there a song about that? God did. Oh, that's another thing. But anyway, that's it. It's when you know that where I am, who I am, God did it. And watch this. To diminish who you are, who God made you, is to almost slap God in the face for how God has made you. No. Yes, I'm amazing. I blow my own mind sometimes. I am unbelievably gifted and anointed. I receive all of that. Here's the good news. Because I receive it, I don't need nobody else to tell me along the way. I'm so overwhelmingly convinced by who God has made me. If you never tell me, it won't shake me at all. All right. Now, here it is. You're thinking different. You're speaking different. You're accepting it. Now, here's the part you got to do. I'm going to be finished in two minutes. Here it is. Now, you have to do the hard part. Because part of the negative reinforcement is because you've been surrounded by negative enforcers. Okay, you didn't get, okay. You've been surrounding yourself with people who see you the way you saw yourself through those tinted lenses. Okay. You like them. 
Because they make you feel bad. Like you make yourself feel bad. And then you don't know that you and them are participating in a toxic relationship. So here it is. If you're going to think different, speak different, cut loose unnecessary connections to toxic people. Oh, you don't you don't know. Yeah, you do. My son talked about it last week. I love that sermon. It's not that you don't know who the toxic people are. You just don't imagine life without the toxicity. You're so used to the tainted life, the tainted life, the tainted lenses, the toxic people that you can't imagine what you feel like whole again. Because being whole is terrifying when you like being toxic. Every time I come around you, you got the scowl on your face. You look mad about everything. And then pretty soon I see your whole tribe look the same way. Y'all all look mad about everything. Get up every morning talking about other people, putting all that hate in the air. You on social media and all you got to say is negative stuff. You ain't got some negative comment to say. Every time you say something about somebody, you got the negative thing. So-and-so's doing amazing. Yeah, but you know what? They ain't really doing like that. You are that person. No, you become toxic maybe because you see yourself through the tainted lenses and on top of that, y'all have a whole get together around toxicity y'all having brunch toxic y'all having dinner toxic y'all go for toxic drinks and don't even realize it y'all sitting around in toxic spaces with toxic conversation and talking about i don't know why my life looked this way because you spoke it into existence so cut loose those toxic relationships you scared of it because you got used to being bent over you got used to crouching down you got used to not being who god calls you to be well lastly i'm done uh accept yourself simple accept yourself Watch this. Everybody take a seat. I want all the perfect people to stand up. Okay. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Now, I want everybody look around. Look around. You think you're the only one with flaws? You think you're the only one who's made mistakes? You think you're the only one that's imperfect? You're surrounded by a whole sanctuary of people who know what it is to make mistakes, who know what it is to fall short. But guess what? Here's the next place. Accept who you are. You are not made to be perfect. You are made to live the life you were created to live. That you don't have to be perfect. You have your flaws. And here's what you got to tell some folk. If you can't accept me flaws and all, then maybe you don't accept none of me. You can't have any of me. If you can't accept me, yes, I come with a little baggage. And yes, I got a few issues. And yes, I'm still in recovery from some things I went through. And I'm not all that you think I need to be but I was not created to be all you think I need to be I was created who God wanted me to be and I am a little weary of trying to live up to an expectation of people who are flawed but act like they not to make me feel bad about my imperfections at the end of the day accept that you are here for a reason accept that your life has meaning Accept that love abounds for you. Accept that you are, I love this, Lapsu said this, that you are the universe in ecstatic motion. Accept that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of the divine. Accept that the world has been waiting for you to see your magnificence and your splendor. Accept that you are beautiful. Accept 
that you are chosen. Accept that you are favored. Accept that you are lovely. Accept that you are smart. Accept that you are gifted. Accept that you have been built for this moment. Accept that you have been given powers beyond belief. Accept that your voice is amazing. Accept that your being is blossoming right now. Accept who you are. Because if God sees all of this in me, it must be something to me. Don't see yourself through tainted lenses. Throw them glasses away. And, 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 and like one of my favorite movies, The Matrix, when you throw those tainted lenses away, this is like Morpheus and Neo, if you know that movie, when, when Neo said, my eyes hurt after he was reborn. Yeah, let your eyes hurt a little bit because you've never seen yourself this good before. Imagine what it is to be blinded by the rays and the light of your persona. No. You are something else. In an amazing way. I don't care what people may think about you. And in fact, the way you see yourself may be problematic. But I got to tell you today, you are amazing. You are amazing. And, and, and it's okay even if right now you feel those tears welling up. Don't feel bad if you kind of look through those tainted lenses in the past. Just now, now, see, see, challenge those negative thoughts. Encourage yourself with positive words. Cut those toxic relationships. Accept you. I, I want you to wake up in the light of a new day tomorrow and declare, God, whatever beautiful you bring my way, I receive it today. Whatever, whatever you've designed for me today that may even terrify me, God, I receive it. Today, I receive it. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute if you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.